When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Got a good one set up uh, because we've got football drafts going up on across the country so gonna start breaking down the sleepers and the players to have on bust alert for this upcoming nfl season so let's get right down to it we're gonna do the sleepers i'm gonna start with at least a sleeper for each nfl team so gonna go alphabetical order just to keep things uh, in line so uh leading off we've got the arizona cardinals now uh, you got two options here, mainly because no one is quite sure how the position battle is going to go, but it's going to be Christian Kirk and Chad Williams, both wideouts. Uh, Chad Williams was a third-round pick last year. Christian Kirk is the rookie wideout uh, drafted uh, by the Cardinals. Uh, and basically, I mean, the, the comparables uh, in terms of Christian Kirk uh, – these this is the guy that experts are saying could be the breakout player uh, in terms of the rookie wideouts. You know, I I get it just because uh, he had a great career out of Texas A and M. Cardinals he's a, a second round draft pick on him. Uh, neither one of these players figure to be drafted in most leagues. So again. Uh, this is one where you keep an eye out to see who wins the battle, and maybe if you want to sneak in uh, a late round grab in the 15th or 16th round, you can go ahead and do it that way. If you've already uh, uh, taken defense uh, or a kicker, but uh, you know these are guys that I would say, even though they're sleepers, they're not necessarily going to be drafted in any of your drafts, but just to keep an eye out for early on in the year if you see one of them break out in the first three weeks of the year. Atlanta. So what do we have for the Falcons? Not really a sleeper because you know his name, and it's Mohamed Sanu. Uh, The issue with Sanu is the fact that everyone is expecting Calvin Ridley to take Sanu's job. Uh, Now, I very much doubt that just because Sanu is one of the most productive possession receivers uh, in the league and quarterbacks love him. Andy Dalton loved him, missed him terribly uh, as soon as he left uh, uh, Cincinnati. I mean, Matt Ryan loves Sanu just because he's a a good yardage getter uh, when uh, Julio Jones is getting double teamed every single time. But, you know, again, I know Ridley has – a ton of intangibles, but, you know, it's still going to take uh, some time for, uh, because, again, Steve Sarkeesian is not exactly a mental wizard at creating offense. Uh, so even though Ridley has a ton of speed, I'm not sure how many packages they're really going to be able to involve him in that's going to supplant a good route runner like Sanu that can get uh, to the first down marker and uh, move the chain. So I still look at uh, Sanu. Uh, his average draft position is uh, putting him well outside the 11th round. Uh, so basically you're looking at it from rounds 12 and up. 
I I think that's way too low for Sanu. Uh, I mean, basically, you could uh, be getting wide receiver three numbers from him the entire year, week to week. So, I mean, and there are a ton of wide receivers uh, in the rankings that are wide receiver threes just because of their uh, their uh, their fellow uh, wide receivers that are being drafted much higher, namely a ton of Rams players uh, in terms of what we've got uh, with uh, 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 that team. So I, I would say uh, Sanu definitely uh, would be on a radar. Uh, and then Ridley's going ahead of Sanu. So uh, Ridley is being drafted in round, uh, uh, like in the 100 range. Again, I think that's way too early. So, you know, if you can get Ridley past uh, the uh, uh, past the 11th round, so like the, basically you're looking beyond uh, picks uh, 120 uh, and up uh, for 10 team leagues, you know, that's where. Uh, I'm looking at for a guy like uh, Ridley, uh, but you know, in a 12-team league, yes, both these wide receivers should be owned. In a 10-team league, you know, realistically, my bet would be on Sanu. I, I think it's a, just a much more reliable pick overall. Baltimore Ravens. You know, this is a case where I had one and he got injured, so Hayden Hurst was uh, basically making a strong case. Uh, for being a late-round sleeper that you could just wait on in the tight end position because of that, his athleticism. But with Hurst injured, there really isn't anyone that I would like kind of chalk up. I mean, it, you got the Brashard Perrimans of the world. Uh, you got John Brown coming over from the Cardinals, who was pretty much guaranteed to be... Uh, on the uh, injury report at, at risk of not being able to play in a matchup. I, I mean, the Ravens just don't have a good situation. And no, Lamar Jackson isn't going to play enough uh, in the season uh, unless you're uh, banking on a Joe Flacco injury. Uh, you know, it's just not even worth it. So uh, I'm skipping the Ravens entirely. Buffalo Bills. The guy here is Chris Ivory. And it's clear obvious why uh you know for those of you who have been completely oblivious to the news in the nfl going on with uh suspected domestic violence we've got uh LaShawn mccoy uh still under investigation by the buffalo police for terrorizing well allegedly terrorizing his girlfriend with uh multiple break-ins and overall being a, a ginormous prick so i mean Again, this is a preliminary investigation, so there's always a chance of it not being true, although the evidence is very slanted towards this uh, being somehow being tied to uh, McCoy if they actually find any uh, of uh, the uh, guys involved uh, with uh, some of the break-ins. But, you know, I would still be drafting McCoy just because the investigation is still preliminary and the NFL usually doesn't weigh in until the actual investigation concludes. So this investigation can drag out through the entire season. So I would still say you're drafting McCoy uh, anywhere from the second round on, but the handcuffs got to be there with Ivory in case something blows up. Ivory currently is not being drafted in leagues, and I think that's a mistake. Uh, also, McCoy is usually good for getting injured at least two to three games and being out, uh, at least being out for two to three games a year. So I still say, like, Ivory's a direct backup. He can still put on some decent performances. So, again, this is one of those where sleeper, not quite, but it's absolutely... Uh, someone uh, you're going to want to have rostered if you're owning LaShawn McCoy this year. Carolina Panthers. So, you know, I'm always having trepidation with this one, mainly because of the fact that it's, uh, it's always going to be a question mark uh, with uh, the wide receiver position. But I'm still going to go with, a sleeper here uh, with the Panthers uh, being Curtis Samuel. Uh, basically, he's uh, uh, kind of being used all over the field. 
Uh, he's uh, the second round pick from last year. I know McCaffrey gets all the attention being the first round pick, but Samuel did get used quite a bit uh, last year. They're looking to do some more uh, target packages with him, kind of use him in a slash type of role that you see with uh, Tavon Austin. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be one where he's going to be, he's still going to be uh, having a play set up for him where he's, uh, even if it's like an end-around type of play, he's going to be touching the football beyond just the passing game. So that's why I actually put him in, on uh, the sleeper watch list here. Uh, he's not being drafted in most leagues just because I know most people aren't even talking about him. But this is someone you can actually look at on your bench that has potential to be a wide receiver three some weeks just because of the fact that uh, – he's going to be featured in uh, some of these different packages. So uh, definitely someone to keep an eye out for uh, during the year. The Bears. Uh, this one's going to be pretty simple for me. It's Anthony Miller. You know, another just absolute beast of a wide receiver with major, major character flaw issues. Hence the reason why he slipped in the draft to the Bears. Uh, you know, right now, it's a case where Chicago doesn't really have uh, that much in terms of uh, the wide receiver depth chart. It's not as bad as last year. I mean, you know, there there is a case to be made for the Bears having a much improved wide receiver core. A slim case, but a case nonetheless. The case being Allen Robinson, if he recovers from his knee injury last year, is far and away their best wide receiver since... Alshon Jeffrey left, you know, Kevin White, you know, maybe this is the year he doesn't get hurt within the first three weeks of the year. Maybe I don't think so, but it's a possibility. And realistically, Anthony Miller only has to beat out Taylor Gabriel, who is really uh, one dimensional in terms of his abilities as a receiver. He's a speed guy and that's about it. There's not much else that he brings to the table here. So I actually do think that Miller uh, can uh, be an impact uh, on fantasy teams this year, just given the situation he's uh, 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 in right now. I mean, right now, uh, in terms of draft position, uh, I, I would say that uh, Anthony Miller should be somewhere within the top 150, but uh, currently he uh, the average draft position for Miller puts him outside at about uh, uh, 175. Like I said, you know, he can be someone who can make a difference for a number of different rosters uh, on the bench as a wide receiver three. So I, I would say, you know, from the 13th round on, uh, definitely uh, you should be targeting him. 12th round, you, uh, if you're still weak at wide receiver as your drafts are going on, uh, that's definitely someone I would be considering. Moving on to the Bengals. We got John Ross here. The, <laughs> I mean, this is actually one of the most comical things that uh, uh, happened last year. Uh, he was the overall uh, first-round pick for the Bengals last year. Fumbled in the first game of the year, got benched, and pretty much got injured the rest of the year. Uh, you know, he didn't see the field. So it's one of those rare cases where a fantasy player actually put up negative points for an entire year. So, you know, for uh, those uh, those of us who play best ball leagues, uh, John Ross was just an absolute, <laughs> just turd of a player. But here's the thing. Again, if you're looking at wide receiver situations, it's a pretty easy competition. Ross only has to beat out Brandon LaFell, and realistically, that should not be that hard to do. Uh, you know, the ca the case being is that outside of A.J. Green, uh, you know, there's no one there. And uh, the news came out uh, that LaFell is going to be released by the Bengals. So, I mean, that means John Ross is getting the job. So, I would... Uh, Basically be saying that, uh, you know, uh, you got a number two wide receiver and 
got AJ Green, so he's going to be drawing double teams. John Ross, if he can beat one-on-one coverage, he can actually develop into a wide receiver too. Can he be a wide receiver too? I'm not entirely sold on it because we didn't really see much of anything last year. So this is kind of a shot in the dark. But, you know, getting a number two wide receiver is actually pretty decent if you're going on the back end of draft. So I'd say anywhere from round 15 on, uh, take a look at uh, uh, take a look at John Ross. Now, another possibility in terms of sleepers uh, for the Bengals, you can take a look at Tyler Eifert just because – He's now finally been medically cleared. The issue with Eifert, it's always his injury history. So, again, if you're waiting around on tight end just because the position is so volatile and if you didn't get one of the top four tight ends, yeah, you can sit on it because realistically there's not a whole lot of separation between the rest of the pack. So, Eifert, someone who can uh, who can be of use to you if you wait until the 12th or 13th round, but... You know, outside of that, I, I would say uh, the the play here would be to kind of look at Ross in terms of uh, guys who are re- realistically going to be uh, able to make an impact uh, for you on your fantasy rosters uh, this year. Going to the Browns. This is an interesting situation here because, uh, you know, the story still seems to be that Tyrod Taylor is going to be the QB, which is actually... A good thing for certain players not so much for a couple other guys on the roster so uh, I, I would say that uh, in terms of Jarvis Landry yeah the, uh, uh, Tyrod Taylor or Turrod Taylor as uh, the news story came out uh, it would be the best play for uh, Landry, if Taylor is the QB rather than Baker Mayfield, because Taylor is a classic QB who can scramble, create space, and dump off the pass. So in PPR and half PPR leagues, uh, you're going to love having uh, Tara Taylor as the QB. Now, in terms of other players on the uh, Browns to look out for, uh, you got Rashard Higgins, who isn't being... uh, drafted at all nor should he be just because again uh he would only be featured in three wide receiver sets and when you have Jarvis Landry and Josh Gordon you know the third guy's really not going to get that much of a burn so I still think that this is a case where the the sleeper here would be Terod Taylor just because people are automatically expecting he's going to lose the job to Baker Mayfield and I think this is a situation where uh, Taylor has the chance to ride out being the, the starter all the way until the fantasy playoffs in week 13. And then uh, Cleveland will turn the reins over to Baker Mayfield once they're out of the playoffs. I think the Browns are so scared of screwing up Mayfield that they will do anything not to play him. So even if uh, Mayfield is showing progress that he could probably take over the reins, I still don't think they're going to play him. So I think it. it the job is Taylor's to lose if he stinks up the joint, which I doubt he will because this is the most talent uh, uh, Tarah Taylor has uh, been surrounded with his entire career. He's not a great deep ball passer, so I don't really like the uh, the folks who are saying that uh, Josh Gordon's going to go off because uh, Taylor's still a better QB than anyone else that Gordon's played with. I still don't quite see it uh, translating that way. But I do think that if you're waiting for a QB and, you know, you're waiting and you end up being the last team to pick a QB and it's uh, your past round 12, Taylor is a more than reasonable option in my opinion because at the end of the day, he still has averaged over 500 yards rushing and over five touchdowns a season in his last three years as a starter. That puts you in the top 10 of uh, uh, fantasy QB. So uh, you can you can trash the pick all you want, but uh, I still think Terod Taylor is definitely uh, someone to keep an eye out for for fantasy this year, even though he's on the Browns. How about them Cowboys? So we're going to talk about uh, 
Rod Smith here because the original pick was Michael Gallup, but because he's looked so good in the preseason, all the Cowboys fans have basically jumped on him. So his average draft position has basically blown through the roof to the point where he's now overvalued because Gallup is coming in basically at around uh, nine uh, in terms of average draft position. And realistically, there's nothing to justify the pick. I mean, yeah, he's looking in preseason, but Dallas is not going to be a passing offense. And the majority of the passing attempts are going to go to Allen Hurts. Therefore, you know, taking Gallup that high is going to be kind of a wasted pick. I, you know, I think uh, Gallup can be a wide receiver four, but I don't see that much of a high ceiling just because of the way Dallas' offense is set up. Their, their offense is predicated around Zeke running the football and dominating. Now, in terms of what can happen, you've got a, a more than reasonable possibility that with the amount of carries Zeke is going to have, He's going to need some breaks, and also there's always a chance of an injury. Uh, Rod Smith easily would be uh, the handcuff here, and considering he's, uh, you know, even though there's the the, uh, autoimmune disease with Travis Frederick, the Cowboy Center, it's still going to be a top five rushing attack in the league. Uh, based off of that offensive line because, you know, they are loaded on the offensive line. So even with uh, if Frederick isn't able to go early on in the year, I still think that line is going to be just fine. So Rod Smith will be my sleeper here. The fact that he's not being drafted by Ezekiel Elliott owners is a complete mistake, in my opinion, because I've seen multiple drafts where Zeke gets drafted and not handcuffed by Rod Smith. A lot of times when... People dismiss handcuffs. The issue is, you know, they say they're not good. But it's a case of functionality. Can they at least be decent and are in a, and are they in a good situation where they can succeed in spite of uh, some of the limitations they have? The Cowboys' offensive line is loaded. So no matter who's running the football, I mean, Darren McFadden, like, put up chunks of yards, uh, even though uh, – he was hot garbage. So, uh, Rod Smith uh, has a little bit of talent to him. You know, if anything happens with Zeke, it, you know, Rod Smith would easily be a top 10 running back every single week in fantasy football. So, the fact that he's not being drafted higher is a little bit of a mystery to me. Moving on to the Broncos. Devontae Booker. Now, Royce Freeman Everyone says has the job locked down. Uh, Freeman has been shooting up uh, the polls in terms of average draft position. So now Freeman's going as early. I've seen him go as early as the third round in some drafts. You know, I'd still say there's a chance that Booker still ends up being a back with uh, having plays on third down. And, you know, if uh, for any reason Freeman struggles out of the gate, Booker could easily start taking back uh, carries, and we could have a timeshare situation uh, between the two running backs. So, uh, to me, Booker is still a worthwhile grab in the 12th round. You know, it's a case where I don't view this as a handcuff situation because I still don't think it's a lock uh, that uh, Denver's running back situation is going to automatically to Freeman. I still think there's going to be some give and take here moving on to the Lions uh, we got Kenny Galladay and you know this is an interesting situation because Detroit runs an offense that's predicated on having two wide receivers so you got Golden Tate and you got uh, Marvin Jones Galladay has been drafted Uh, he's still the number three uh, option of wide receiver he's looked good in the preseason the thing is, is that I look at this as a case where if Marvin Jones gets off to a slow start, uh, which he didn't last year, Marvin Jones had a brilliant start to the season last year and then petered off. But if for some reason Marvin Jones doesn't get off to a good start this year, I could easily see a situation where Galladay starts taking playing time away from him. So 
the fact that Galladay is still going past the 11th round in a number of drafts, I, I, I think that's a mistake. I think uh, Galladay should be uh, targeted uh, anywhere from uh, uh, the 10th round on. Uh, so I, I definitely look at Galladay as a potential uh, wide receiver two option uh, just in terms of fantasy points because he has the potential there. He just needs uh, to get the targets. And to get the targets, he gotta, he's got to beat out Marvin Jones, which, you know, again, Marvin Jones, extremely solid. But there's always a chance during the year that if J- Jones gets off to a slow start, you know what Tate's going to bring to the table. So he, he's going to be uh, locked in there. But uh, I think Gale has a chance to uh, start uh, chipping away at Jones here. So uh, that would be uh, the play here in terms of a sleeper. Uh you know, it, and the one thing I'll say about the Lions, it is the ugliest running back situation in fantasy football, in my opinion. Uh, you know, as much as people uh, want to poo-poo the Redskins, uh, here's the thing. Uh, between Carrion Johnson, Amir Abdullah, Lewis Riddick, and LeGarrette Blunt, I got four running backs that not one of them I want any piece of outside of Carrion Johnson. And even Johnson, I'm waiting on drafting him uh, and hoping that he falls in drafts just because it's too loaded of a backfield uh, right now. So unless someone gets uh, uh, involved in a roster cut uh, like uh, Riddick or Abdullah, which I don't see happening based off of the reports from uh, Detroit, it's going to be a mess. So I'm steering clear of the running back situation. So that's why the sleeper is going to be Galladay at wide receiver. The Packers. So, this is an easy one here. It's Geronimo Allison. Uh, right now, you got Aaron Rodgers getting paid by the Packers. But guess what? It was at the expense of Jordy Nelson. So, Aaron Rodgers has been griping the entire preseason because he can't get on the same page with a number of these wide receivers. And so, there's only Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams that he really trusts. And the third guy that's emerging out, out of the rest of the wide receivers is Allison. So he's been steadily uh, crawling up uh, the Green Bay death chart for the last two years. And I think it's technically time for him to take over Cobb's role because Cobb's been limited by an ankle injury the entire preseason. There was still talk about Cobb getting traded uh, by the Packers if uh, they got the right uh, price uh, in terms of a package. And I think it's a sign that they're ready to give the keys over to Allison with uh, Adams uh, being the clear-cut number one. So I'm seeing a case where uh, you got Cobb playing more in the slot this year and Allison being eased into uh, the number two role on the outside uh, with uh, Green Bay. So, again, this is a wide receiver three potential here. And... On most draft boards, he's going past uh, uh, the 180 range uh, for draft pick. So, realistically, I would kind of view this as a case where uh, from round 12 uh, and 13 uh, is where Allison should be uh, drafted at. uh, Just because it's becoming painfully obvious that uh, Cobb's going to be more of a specialist in the slot than an actual outside receiver at this stage of his career just to kind of extend uh, the time he has left in the league. So uh, Allison is definitely someone I would be taking a close look at just because, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be uh, decent value if someone doesn't have a already stacked wide receiver core uh, come the back end of the draft. Moving on to the Houston Texans. Let's see here. You know, you got a couple of options, but realistically, I think the case would be uh, Kiki Kuti. Uh, He's got a ton of speed, and realistically, it's a case where Houston with Deshaun Watson, they're going to be electric as long as Watson stays upright. So I think deep uh, pass... uh, play opportunities are going to be there. Is Cootie going to get a ton of reps? Not uh, realistically from the outset. So this is a case where 
yeah, it's a sleeper to watch, but you don't have to draft him because he's really going so far late in drafts that I'd be surprised outside of the state of Texas him being drafted in league. So it's a it's a situation where keep an eye out for him and uh, keep it on the radar. If an injury happens to Will Fuller, absolutely pounce on him. But until then, uh, just uh, keep it on him on the radar. And if he starts uh, making some plays on Sunday afternoons, then uh, you already know you got to keep him on your waiver wire watch. So uh, that's all I got. Moving on to the Colts. We've got a case where, you know, I'm not really sold on anyone here because of the fact that I don't believe in Andrew Luck right now. I got to see Andrew Luck going to do it. You know, I, I know folks are throwing out Ryan Grant as a wide receiver option, but realistically, I don't trust anyone on the Colts. Uh, and it's it's directly related to the Andrew Luck situation. I'm, I'm not seeing enough. I haven't seen enough in the preseason to actually give me any sense of... Uh, of how, how uh, this is going to work out well. But, uh, you know, it, we'll, we'll see how uh, the Colts' uh, offense looks, but I, I think it has very much a potential to be uh, well below average across the league. And I know folks are banking on luck turning that, that situation around, but, uh, you know, I got to I gotta see more. Moving on to Jacksonville. This would have been Marquise Lee being highlighted before his injury. And, you know, it was a terrible injury. Uh, he's out for the year. Uh, you know, uh, everyone automatically suspected that Des Bryant might get a call from the uh, Jags, which did not end up happening. Uh, this is a case where now I kind of have to shift the focus to TJ Yeldon, you know, former Alabama running back. Uh, it's a case where Yeldon, he has value uh, in the league just because Leonard Fournette seems to get nicked up every other game. And Fournette's not much of a pass catcher, so uh, Yeldon still uh, should be getting uh, time there. Uh, I, I look, at, uh, look at this as a situation where Chris Ivory's gone. Yeldon's going to get more responsibilities. So I, I I definitely feel that Yeldon will get uh, some burn here on the Jags, whether it's through injury or just third down play. So uh, anytime you can draft him past round 14, uh, you might as well take a shot at it for roster depth reasons. Uh, if anything, uh, if nothing else, uh, I, I think that's a, a case to be made for uh, Yeldon. The Kansas City Chiefs, this is in slam dunk case, and I don't understand how people are looking past this. Uh, Spencer Ware's got to be the pick. Uh, Spencer Ware's not being drafted on a ton of teams, and if you're drafting Kareem Hunt, you better have Spencer Ware uh, as his uh, handcuff. It doesn't make any sense for uh, Hunt owners not to take Ware, because Realistically, Ware's not just going to be a backup. Andy Reid likes spreading the ball around, and, you know, it's a case where Reid is always going to find a way to get running backs involved and being productive. So Ware not only serves as a handcuff, but he's still going to uh, serve as a running back to some weeks, uh, you know, the fact that Ware's not getting the attention, and you got uh, you got Tevin Coleman and Tariq uh, Co uh, Cohen still getting drafted uh, over a hundred spots ahead of Ware in terms of average draft position, it doesn't correlate to me. It's like they're all in that same mix. So again, Spencer Ware is going well past the 16th round, and even being undrafted in some leagues, when realistically. He should be drafted in round 10 or uh, or 12. Uh, again, that's where I kind of look at this situation as, you know, if you're in an experts league, yeah, they're going to uh, they're going to pick up on that and handcuff uh, Kareem Hunt. Even if he's not a handcuff, I still think 
he's going to bring value to you as a running back. So I, I think it's a no-brainer uh, that he's a, someone who uh, needs to be drafted and has not, it has not been reflected in the marketplace thus far. So uh, that that one is a one that definitely should be corrected. But uh, I got another market correction that's coming up uh, shortly as well. So moving on to, and I I keep wanting to say San Diego, but Los Angeles Chargers. You know, the Chargers are an interesting case here because Mike Williams had such a nondescript year that. It, it's uh, it's a setup a case where Mike Williams and Corey Davis is are still having comparisons of, of going to be breakout candidates, but Corey Davis is still being drafted well in advance of Mike Williams. When uh, just by comparison, Mike Williams has a much better quarterback situation and. Again, it's slightly taller than Corey Davis. I, you know, I look at this as a case where if Mike Williams didn't have the back injury last year, he probably would have been a wide receiver too. Now, Keenan Allen's going to get double teamed pretty much every game this season. Uh, you know, he was beating the double team last year. We'll see if he can do it this year. But Mike Williams is going to have every opportunity to succeed, in my opinion. So, Mike Williams is going in the ninth round, 10th round, range realistically he should be going in uh, probably round seven uh uh, which is where Corey davis is going so i think that uh Corey davis is uh being drafted too high i I think their if anything their situation uh their draft spot should be flip-flopped in terms of average draft position but uh you know it's a case where sometimes uh, folks are just looking at the pre-draft rankings and not actually analyzing the situation. But uh, I think uh, Mike Williams is uh, poised to at least uh, put up wide receiver three numbers, if not wide receiver two numbers. Uh, he's He's got all the peripherals. Uh, the Chargers don't have uh, much of, uh, in the way of tight end, so they're going to be throwing to the wideouts more this year than ever before. So I, I think there's more than enough chances that uh, – uh, Williams uh, steps up here. And now the guy who is not being drafted that absolutely should be on one roster every fantasy league, and that is John Kelly of the Los Angeles Rams, the backup running back to Todd Gurley. Now, unlike the Steelers situation, the Rams also have a great offensive line. I look at this as a situation where it is incomprehensible that you can draft Todd Gurley and not handcuff him when there's a good offensive line in play here. The only times you don't handcuff players is if there are so many running backs in the backfield as potential backups that you can't decipher who's going to be the one to take. But that is the only case where handcuffing is a terrible idea. If you're taking a running back in the top five, realistically, you've got a handcuff because you've committed so much of your resources to that one player because of their, the situation they're in. The only player that I can say in the top five this year that you probably can get away with not handcuffing is David Johnson because of the fact that Arizona's offensive line is so bad that if David Johnson goes down again, there's no one on Arizona that I would want to touch with a 10-foot pole in terms of the running game. But with that being said, Kelly is tied to the number one running back or arguably the number one running back in football in Todd Gurley. And the Rams have a great offensive setup. If for any reason Gurley goes down, John Kelly is going to be a top 10 running back option every single week in fantasy uh, without question because of uh, the setup uh, the Rams have going on right now. Uh, there is no reason why John Kelly should be going undrafted in leagues, which I continually see happening. Uh, anyone drafting Todd Gurley, and this is my public service announcement, anyone drafting Todd Gurley should be drafting John Kelly as well. That is all. It doesn't get any clearer than that. 
Moving on to the Miami Dolphins. So, you can talk about Devontae Parker and if he's actually going to translate his God-given talent onto the field. But realistically, the player to look at here is Albert Wilson. Not because Albert Wilson's really that good, but Jarvis Landry's gone. And Jarvis Landry was getting roughly 150 pass attempts a year. So, I don't think Albert Wilson's necessarily going to get anywhere close to that. But the Dolphins did spend $24 million to get Wilson in there, and he is a possession receiver. And Ryan Tannehill can't throw deep balls. So, he's going to check down the ball quite a bit. For a consistent wide receiver three floor, you'd be drafting Albert Wilson, who's currently going undrafted. He should be drafted. He probably won't be, but it'd be idiotic for folks that did not build out their wide receiver core to ignore him. So that's my recommendation. It's not going to be a sexy name, but it's someone that can at least be productive for you if your wide receivers are a little bit on the weak side so again you can ignore this advice but you're going to regret it later if uh, your wide receivers are completely hot and cold and even if they're projected for 10 points and they get you two points you'll know why because you passed up on Wilson who's gonna get you eight points a game even though it won't be sexy It'll at least be something that keeps the lights on for you. So, anyway, moving on. Laquan Treadwell for the Vikings. This is a little bit interesting here because I kind of look at this as a case where the Vikings are going to be passing the ball a lot more with Kirk Cousins. And... I like Dalvin Cook returning, but this is a situation where Treadwell has speed and Diggs also has speed. So I think uh, between the two of them, Kirk Cousins is going to be tossing the ball up quite a bit and taking full advantage of the play action ability, uh, having Dalvin Cook there. So I look at uh, Treadwell as a a guy who's not going to get drafted in leagues, but He's going to be one of those random wide receivers that's going to pop off against lousy secondaries like the Packers a couple of times uh, this season. So, again, he's going to be more of a waiver wire play. But for those of you who are going to be looking for a little bit of an edge this year uh, that's going to be high risk, I, I look at Treadwell as a sleeper option because certain weeks he's definitely going to be someone that's going to go off. Another player that's going to be high leverage this year uh, is going to be on the Patriots. Uh, uh, Cordero Patterson. Yeah, Cordero Patterson. Uh, Anyway, uh, you know, Patterson has flamed out a couple of places. He's coming to New England to revive his career, particularly as a special teams player. Uh, This is a case where, for those of you who are in leagues that have return yardage, uh, Patterson is a definite player uh, you should be drafting if you have one of those setups. Uh, Again, he's going to be doing uh, kickoff and punt returns uh, by all accounts. And, you know, the Pats roster right now for wide receiver is extremely thin. no one's sticking around. I mean, Chris Hogan's the number one right now until Edelman gets back. And, I mean, again, Edelman's on the dark side of 34. Hogan is a possession receiver. The Pats don't really have anyone stretching the field. Uh, so, Patterson can actually step in and fill the void left behind by uh, the Pats trading Brandon Cook. So, again, you know, you can chalk up New England's offense to uh, dump off a bunch of passes and throw the ball to Gronk, but they're going to have to do some specialty packages, and Patterson can easily be someone who goes off for a couple of weeks. So it's going to be that New England rule where, you know, every couple of weeks someone on that uh, wide receiver core is going to have a monster game. I wouldn't be shocked if Patterson's name ends up popping up 
a couple of times. But for those of you who have uh, uh, leagues where return yards also ends up being a factor, Patterson can be a viable draft player uh, in this uh, spot. So, again, not being drafted in most leagues, but someone to at least consider uh, on the waiver wire. And if you got like a, a special league with return yardage, uh, that's a, that's the way to play it. Now, I know some folks are talking up James White. The issue here, though, is that I've seen James White go from a sleeper play because he was originally ranked in the 12th round. I've seen him go as early as the 5th round. Uh, I, I think James White is all over the place. Realistically, I would say James White should be targeted somewhere uh, in round 10, but I've seen him go so randomly all over the place. I can't really get a firm peg as to what James White's true ADP is. And I, you know, if Sony Michel has an inkling of what Deion Lewis can do, it could be a long year for the New England backfield figuring out who's going to get production week to week. So, again, in terms of a sleeper, I would say look out for Patterson because he at least has a void at his current position where no one else uh, can uh, can fill it in terms of a speed advantage for the Patriots. Moving on to the Saints. Uh, I'd say that this is a case where, you know, there's not a whole lot here. Uh, the reliable option in terms of someone to keep on the radar as who's going to be sneaky would be Ben Watson, even though he's... <laughs> I mean, I think Ben Watson is 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 uh, closer to forty than he is to thirty five at this stage. But you know, he still finished last year as a top fifteen uh, tight end. I still think he's going to have uh, options here uh, with the Saints. Uh, so even though a lot of his offense last year was uh, dump balls from Joe Flacco, he's still going to have good hands. Drew Brees is still going to find matchups across the field. So I, I like him from the standpoint of he's going to a much better quarterback. And, you know, a couple of years ago when he uh, when he was on the Saints with Flacco, he had 74 receptions uh, and all, over 800 yards. I'm not expecting anything close to that, but would it completely shock me if he came he if he did approach it? No. Unlikely, but uh, I, I still think that it's a possibility that they – he does well there. Moving on to my New York Giants. Who would be the sleeper on this team? And realistically, the answer here is Eli. Uh, just from the standpoint of folks don't draft Eli in fantasy football. I can't blame them for not drafting Eli just because the play calling for the New York Giants bordered on suicidal to downright atrocious in terms of logic the last uh, few years given the fact that the Giants didn't have much of an offensive line. However, given the changes the Giants have at least attempted to make in the offseason by improving the offensive line and surrounding Eli with more weapons than he has had since 2008, you know, I at least give Eli a chance to be a top 10 QB. Now, can he actually do that? I have no idea. And I think that's the biggest question mark Giants fans have this entire year is if he can learn yet another offense uh, with Pat Shermer at the helm for the Giants this year and Mike Shuley as the the offense coordinator, can Eli adapt this offense and despite his lack of mobility, at least put uh, guys like Odell Beckham Jr. in positions to succeed consistently throughout the year because the issue with the Giants usually ends up being they're on a hot streak, they're on a brutal cold streak, and there's no balance in between. So we're, we're, we're going to see w- uh, what happens here because, uh, you know, Shermer worked wonders for Sam Bradford and uh, Case Keenum last year. You know, it, it's going to be interesting with the Giants. I'll say that uh, uh, for the least. Uh, so, uh, realistically, I've seen Eli go undrafted. You know, 
if I were waiting around for a QB, I could see Eli going around uh, 13 or 14 as one of the last QBs taken uh, in the draft. But that would be my sleeper for the Giants just because he has the potential, given the talent around him, uh, to put up numbers comparable to a top 10 fantasy quarterback. Whether he comes close to that, no one's going to know. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think it would be foolish for anyone to actually predict that as much. Moving on to the New York Jets. So, this sleeper took a little bit of a hit because of the fact that I thought the most logical thing for the Jets to do was to actually hold on to Bridgewater and let Darnold progress in learning the quarterback position. But since the Jets insist on ruining anything that's good in their uh, little worlds, they've decided to uh, push Sam Darnold out to being the starter week one because I don't think anyone believes that uh, uh, McCown is actually going to be playing much this year, if at all. So, Quincy Inunua was going to be my sleeper here. Uh, you know, everyone has Robbie Anderson as the clear-cut number one. Uh, Crowell and Blau Powell have been uh, kind of been in the same spot in terms of average draft position. So, uh, they're both, uh, both of those running backs are in the top 100. So, in terms of a sleeper, Inunua is the forgotten man on the Jets' offense. He was the number one wide receiver two years ago in 2016 before he got hurt last year. And it's going to be a case where we're going to have to see like how much he's come back from. I, I mean, in the preseason, he's looked decent enough. So I, I look at this as a case where uh, he can be productive uh, for the Jets just because the Jets really don't have a ton uh, uh, just uh, because again the wide receiver core is Robbie Anderson as the number one Terrell Pryor and Anuma so realistically it's at best it's two uh, uh, wide receiver twos and uh, and a wide receiver three uh, just because I you know anyone who's gonna try to sell me on Terrell Pryor Again, I'm not falling for it. Uh, I, I, I think Pryor got exposed last year as one-dimensional as a receiver and not being able to run multiple routes. So uh, Pryor's going to have to show me a lot to uh, get me to believe again. So uh, Anunua would be my pick. Uh, Anunua also not really being drafted in a ton of leagues. Uh, so this is a case where you can grab him as a late-round flyer. Uh, and he has uh, potential just because of how lousy the Jets' uh, wide receiver core is at the moment uh, to be a wide receiver three potential. Moving on to the Raiders. So Oakland's got a little bit of a case here where you've got someone in name only. Uh, you got Marshawn Lynch still being drafted way too high. Uh, you know, as much as I love beast mode, you know, Beast mode is really only happening once or twice uh, a season now, as opposed to the glory days where it was happening at least uh, a dozen times uh, during the year. Uh, so I don't know what you're going to get out of Marshawn Lynch this year. You know, I, I'm not even sh some uh, someone has him in the range of borderline uh, running back two option. I, I put. Lynch is in squarely flex uh, position. So, you know, as you can tell, I'm probably not going to even have any shares of Lynch this year. Uh, my pick for a sleeper will be Doug Martin. There's a chance that with Gruden, Martin gets re-energized just because the last couple of years in Tampa were just miserable where he really uh, looked like he was uh, someone who was trying to get out of a uh, out of a team situation. So, uh, we're going to see if he has uh, uh, something in the tank uh, this year because Martin should be able to beat out Lynch at this stage of his career. But how much uh, opportunity he's going to get to prove that uh, is still going to be a question mark. So uh, I look at this as a case where, you know, if you draft him uh, in round 11, you, you really can't feel bad. It's like you're taking a shot here. Uh, at someone with the potential to be a starting running back in the league. So 
Uh, again, I would say kick the tires on Martin, see uh, see what pans out. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily go uh, crazy over uh, trying to reach for him, thinking that Marshawn is completely done. Just because I think uh, Gruden will still give Lynch numerous opportunities. I just think that, you know, with Lynch's personality and Gruden's personality, there's going to be a falling out sometime before Thanksgiving. So, uh, Doug Martin, I think, is still going to be coming into play uh, at some point in this year. I'm just not sure when. Moving on to the Eagles and, you know... I don't really have a, a sleeper option here uh, just because of the fact that the Eagles really didn't do a whole lot uh, n- since the, they won the Super Bowl. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you don't want to, like, shake up uh, a winning uh, a championship roster too much. Uh, you know, the case of Alshon Jeffrey missing, uh, missing uh, the first few weeks of the season with uh, his shoulder issues, uh, you know, I don't really see anyone stepping up in the role there. I know they signed Mike Wallace, but I I don't really see anyone uh, being a, a case where uh, they're they're gonna uh, as, uh, make a significant impact. So I can't really recommend anyone on the Eagles uh, being a case where they have sleep potential to be on your uh, on your bench. Moving on to the Steelers, and this is a case of addition by subtraction. The Steelers uh, had Martavis Bryant, who was clearly jealous of Juju Smith-Schuster and was never going to get over the fact that he got replaced by uh, Smith-Schuster. So Bryant gets shipped out to Oakland, and James Washington uh, pretty much... uh, it gets to walk into a situation uh, where he can be the number three wide receiver behind Antonio Brown and Smith Schuster, and he's going to have an opportunity to produce just because he's got a ton of speed and the Steelers still like to air the ball out with Big Ben. I look at uh, Washington as someone who has potential to be an impact player at some points in the year. So this is a case where you can look at him as a wide receiver for uh, uh, potential, and he can, you know, if anything goes wrong in terms of injury, he can definitely uh, climb up the ladder. Uh, it's just the fact that, you know, it is still <laughs> Antonio Brown. So that uh, that is the reason why he's not going to have much of a ceiling. But uh, he has the talent to uh, uh, make an impact. So, you know, even uh, a guy like Bryant, who is a, a complete malcontent, uh, was able to uh, put up numbers last year, uh, albeit haphazardly. Uh, so I still look at Washington as someone who can step in and do the exact same thing for the Steelers uh, throughout the year. Moving on to the 49ers, it's a case where I would have Matt Breida in here, uh, Brita is still nursing uh, an injury uh, from the first game of the preseason. But Jarek McKinnon uh, is a, a guy where he is a great uh, uh, receiving running back. I'm not sure if Jarek McKinnon still is going to be able to produce enough running in between the tackles and be able to stay healthy enough. So. Brita is a case where if you're, uh, if you're looking at a guy like McKinnon, you might actually have to draft Brita as well because I'm not sure how much McKinnon's going to be able to give you. McKinnon may be able to give you uh, 10 to 12 excellent games, but I think if he gets used that much, he's going to be injured for the other couple of games during the season. So you're going to need Brita at some point uh, to kind of uh, step in and fill the void. So uh, that's uh, that's the way I, I kind of look at this. Uh, so Breda is uh, someone who's uh, basically going around the 12th and 13th round, and it's makes sense to kind of grab him if you've if you've got uh, McKinnon uh, just as an insurance policy. On the Seahawks, uh, this seems like my perennial sleeper pick, 
but Tyler Lockett, you know, if the Seahawks can do anything with their offensive line to run the football, to at least give the perception of play action, the Seahawks are going to have an excellent uh, downfield passing game between Lockett and Russell Wilson. It's a big if, if the Seahawks can actually get the uh, the pass protection sorted out because it's been atrocious the last two years, which would only uh, speaks to how uh, excellent Russell Wilson is as a scrambler that he doesn't take more of a pounding. But be that as it may, uh, you know, I, I got uh, Lockett as my sleeper for the Seahawks, and it's more of a wing and a prayer that the offensive line uh, gets itself uh, situated. Moving on to Tampa Bay, we got Chris Godwin basically going in round uh, 15 and on. Godwin basically has all the same peripherals as Deshaun Jackson, who is basically aging his way out of the league. Uh, you know, in terms of Tampa Bay situation, I mean, you got, you got the uh, uselessness of uh, Jameis Winston getting himself pretty much locked out of the team. I, I think the Buccaneers are setting up a situation where they're going to try to get out of his contract by not playing him. Uh, but uh, you've, because he's suspended for a couple of games and the Buccaneers may just decide to move on just so uh, in case uh, Winston gets hurt, uh, he doesn't uh, lock in that fifth-year guarantee uh, due to being on IR. So that leaves the option of Godwin having to take passes from Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, you know, Godwin has the ability to beat out Adam Humphreys for uh, that uh, spot on the wide receiver core as the number three wide receiver. So I'd say, uh, you know, someone you can at least keep an eye out for uh, as the season progresses along. And in in case something happens to Deshaun uh, Jackson... Godwin would automatically fill that void uh, as the speed out, uh, speedy wide receiver on the outside. The Tennessee Titans. This is a, I don't know. Everyone wants to talk about Corey Davis. I think Corey Davis is being drafted way too high. And previously, my pick for a sleeper was going to be Taewon Taylor. The problem here is that everyone has been talking up Taewon Taylor throughout the preseason to the point where Taylor went from being undrafted to now I'm seeing Taylor being drafted inside the top 100 players of fantasy drafts. That's such an overreach. It's not even funny. But here's the long and short of it for the Titans. Uh Mariota still is struggling with uh, uh, recognizing uh, uh, some coverages, and the passing game still isn't quite there yet. It's looking more along the lines that uh, in order for Tennessee to kind of succeed in the offense, they're going to have to try to shift a little bit of uh, of uh, the functionality of uh, making it more dynamic in terms of uh, getting Mariota outside the pocket, even though they're trying to keep him inside the pocket. So... I'm not really sold on Davis. I was at least going to recommend taking a flyer on Taylor, but you know, I've seen I've seen his draft stock go so far up now that you know if he's, uh, I mean, again, I wouldn't take a shot at Taylor until round 14, but he's been going, as I said, inside uh, inside the 10th round. So I, I really can't even come close to recommending that. So. Uh, uh, this is a case where, you know, I, I'd, I'd end up passing on to everyone involved with Tennessee just because of the fact that uh, a lot of the press uh, inflated uh, Taylor's value. So uh, that's the way I kind of look at it. And last but not least, we have Washington. You know, in terms of the sleepers here, I would look at Josh Doxson. Uh Reason being is that Alex Smith, you know, whether you like him or not, he's going to be productive in terms of getting rid of the ball quickly and hitting guys in stride. 
Dachshund is a guy who was envisioned to be an outside wide receiver, and he's still not quite there yet. But Dachshund has enough ability where with a veteran QB like Smith, he can actually start learning a few things. So even though I I thought that (laughs) he should have been able to catch on a little bit faster than he did with Kirk Cousins. Uh, Alex Smith uh, might actually even be a better teacher for him just because Alex Smith can't afford to make mistakes. So he's going to be pressing on some of these receivers to run cleaner routes. So it's going to be a prove-it year for Dachshund. Uh, I look at Crowder uh, as someone who's going uh, uh, in the mid-60 range as a wideout and Crowder should excel with Cousins just because of uh, his sh- uh, short game. It's going to tra- should translate uh, extremely well with uh, Alex Smith. Dachson, on the other hand, uh, still uh, might be a case where it may not translate early, but uh, he has more than enough ability to actually be an impact player. So uh, I-, I would look at this as a case where uh, if you get Dachson available anywhere from the 12th round on, uh, you can take a shot uh, here on him just because, again, the talent's there. It's just a matter of uh, whether or not uh, he gets uh, in there. On the flip side, though, if for any reason Jameson Crowder goes past round seven, you need to be uh, uh, drafting uh, Jameson Crowder. I haven't seen it happen yet, but according to some of the uh, expert websites, I, uh, they are saying that Crowder has ended up being in round eight and nine, which is is absolutely crazy to me. Uh, Crowder should should be going a lot earlier than that, but uh, I haven't seen it yet. But uh, again, uh, that's a case where uh, if Crowder is also available uh, past round six, uh, he should be snapped up immediately. All right, so that's going to do it for the sleepers. Uh, We're going to be doing uh, coverage on the bus players. And in terms of uh, that, uh, we're going to end up uh, having to uh, uh, break this out into a two-parter. But uh, that will be coming up in uh, the next edition. It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position.